0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. And go for Mike Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Right, Sanders, America's greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Uh, coming up next, I want to talk about tolerance and intolerance. I have some examples of each in our uh, crazy, crazy world today. We'll do that coming up. But first, I want to share a story here, just because I think it's a perspective we should all know. It's a story of Helen Raleigh's great-grandfather. He was born in 1900 on the east coast of China. He was a wheat farmer. And back then, everything, obviously, was done by hand, especially in China. And that's some pretty backbreaking work. He owned a little bit of land, but he was such a hard worker that he was able to buy a little bit more. And his goal in life, I mean, not much. He was an industrial farmer, right? But he had a little bit of land. And his goal in life was to take care of this land so that he could pass it down to his kids and grandkids and be buried on it with his ancestors. 1949, the communists took over. And they pushed land reform. Now, worth noting today, because the president of Colombia recently announced land reform in his country, as if this is some brand new progressive idea. Like it's never been done before. Oh, land reform. Oh, that sounds great. Thank you, dear leader. Land reform. Why is it? Why haven't we thought of this sooner? Yeah, it's been done before, many, many times. So in China, communist officials went town to town and... Put each villager uh, in a in a group. Actually, rated them one to five. Uh, the, you had landlord at the top, then rich peasant, middle peasant, poor peasant, and at the bottom you had laborer. Now, when I first heard this, I thought, "Wow, how great would it be if these communist officials come to town and they, you know, they put everyone in a ranking system, and you get picked to be a landlord." Or a rich farmer, right? I mean, that's, pff, that's the best. I mean, you, should, there's you, you, Mike, you're a landlord now. Oh, awesome. Mm, nope. If you were picked uh, or determined to be a landlord or a rich farmer, you were either executed right on the spot or sent to labor camps for the rest of your life. Then the communists confiscated everything and redistributed it all to the poor farmers and laborers. Helen's great-grandfather was classified as a rich farmer, but for whatever reason, his life was spared. Now, everything was taken from him, but he wasn't killed. He went from rich farmer to poor farmer overnight. About 2 million people were killed just during the land reform sweep alone. 2 million people. Could you fathom that? 2 million? I mean, just a little perspective. 9-11, 3,000 died. 3,000 versus 2 million? What do you mean? Like, that doesn't even... Now the poor farmers, they, they, they hit the jackpot. But it was only three years later when they, the communists completely got rid of private property for everyone. And now the poor farmers had all their land and things taken from them and everything was owned by the government. Lesson there, what the government gives, the government can take away. This was the beginning of the famine that then led to 30 to 60 million people dying which is beyond all comprehension, 60 million people dying. Come on. So there's a lot of economic and political lessons here, obviously, uh, but that's not why I share it. I share this story because of the love that this man had for his family. So every morning, Helen's grandma. So this man's daughter would make steamed buns for breakfast. And they were brown because they were made of whole wheat. That's what they grew. And whole wheat use, use all of the grain, so nothing's lost in the process of making the flour. But in the bamboo steamer, amongst the brown buns, there were always two white buns. These were made from refined flour, and they were made just for great-grandpa. Only he could eat the white steamed buns. Why? Because they were easier to chew for the 80 plus year old man. Now the thing is the white buns tasted much better than the brown ones and everyone knew it. When Helen was eight years old, she said, grandma, why can't we all eat white buns? And tears swelled up in grandma's eyes. She didn't give an answer, just moved on. But that night, her cousin, Helen's cousin told her that's because the refined flour is so much more expensive. They can't afford refined flour for everyone. And Helen thought, well, hold on. We are the farmers who grow the wheat. We like we grow, what do you mean? And that's when she learned that what they grew, what they made, what they created, what they poured their lives into, what they poured their sweat and labor into, wasn't theirs. Not in a communist system. But here's the deal with great-grandpa. He didn't like the special treatment. And he didn't like to do that. He didn't like to eat these white buns in front of His great grandkids. So when grandma turned around, he would sneak some pieces of the white bun to Helen and her cousins under the table. Made them happy. And that made him happy. So even after a life of the government taking everything from him, everything he owned, everything he worked for for his entire life. And at this old age where he was given just one small advantage by by his family, he couldn't accept it. He was always giving, always putting others first. Great grandpa passed away. Do you remember the uh, his final wish? To be buried with his ancestors on his land. Now, and obviously it obviously wasn't his land anymore. But worse than that, the communists would not let people be buried in ancestral graves anymore. All the land belonged to the government. They ran the show, and they had public burial grounds. So he had to be buried there where there was no connection to the land. And to make it even worse, where his family was buried, it's been plowed over and was now farmland, and he didn't even know where his family was buried anymore. You know, he kind of knew. It was like over there somewhere, but his final wish was never granted. Slater, why are you sharing this super downer story? Um, I think there's a big difference between conservatives and progressives. I think progressives either ignore the history of big government or they see it, but they say, oh, that can never happen here. I think conservatives see the history of an all-powerful, all-giving, all-providing, all-loving government and say, ooh, uh, the government that has the power to give today has the power to take away tomorrow, so no thank you. I think progressives see people who may not have as much and they they have this notion of fairness. I think conservatives see people who worked harder and excel and we see that as just, have you noticed that progressives they've stopped talking about fairness? Have you noticed that they don't, they don't use that word anymore. Instead they talk about justice. That's because fairness is subjective and they know it. Justice is objective So the left has taken over the word justice and tried to make it now a subjective thing. I know that's a bit complicated. We'll save that for another day. But the main point is here, even through all the injustice that this man went through his entire life, they took every external thing from him possible. They didn't take his soul. They didn't take his spirit and they didn't take his love to his family. No one can steal that. 1-888-900-3393. one 888 900 I want to come back with these two stories about tolerance and intolerance in our upside-down world. That's next. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: Mike Slater.
1: On the Blaze Radio Network. Later, I said, I was going to talk about some freedom of speech uh, Supreme Court rulings coming up in the next segment. Um, two cases in particular. One, I think, will make sense to most people. I mean, be, I, you'll agree with like, Yeah, that's the right decision. The other one's a little tougher to swallow. But still, it's good that we have a Supreme Court that errs on the side of freedom of speech. I'd rather we err on that side than uh, than the alternative. And also, a headline of a judge right now is it's still in the rumor mill. We don't really know. But that Justice Kennedy might... Uh, retire soon here, which means Trump will get another Supreme court pick, which is why Republicans voted for him in office. It's the number one reason uh, for most people. It'd be amazing. It's, I I would be shocked though, if Kennedy, so Kennedy's 81, he's been on the court for 30 years. Don't you think he would hate Trump so much and hate who Trump would put on the court so badly that he would just do his darndest to stay in there for the next three and a half years, hoping a, liberal, you know, progressive wins the next one, right? Wouldn't you think they'd stay in there as long as they could? I guess not. So we'll see. But he obviously hasn't announced anything yet. Uh, so I want to talk about tolerance and intolerance just so you can see how upside down our culture is today. Let's start with intolerance. So there's a guy, his name's Steve. He owns an organic apple farm in Charlotte, Michigan. And they host weddings at this farm. And last year he wrote on his Facebook page that he is Catholic and he believes that marriage is between a man and a woman and that on his private property, he will not host weddings that are inconsistent with his faith. He did that last year. Now, since 2010, just 22 miles from his house, from his farm, he sold apples at a farmer's market. This is in Lansing, Michigan, so it's a town over. Lansing officials got wind of his Facebook post and kicked him out of the farmer's market. They said that his business, his his uh, general business practices outside of the city, mind you, violate Lansing's anti discrimination law. So keep this in mind: like he sells his apples in Lansing to everyone at the farmers market. It doesn't doesn't it doesn't care what your sexual preference is. Anyone who wants an apple gets an apple in Lansing. So no anti-discrimination law broken there. But in Charlotte, at his farm, he won't host a gay marriage. That might break Lansing's anti-discrimination law, but it's not in Lansing. It's in Charlotte, the town over. But Lansing is punishing him for something that he's doing in a different town. Now, it's not, it's not like he's, he you know murdered someone in a different town, and that's also against the law in Lansing. They're punishing him for something that he's doing in a different town that's legal in the other town. And el- right? you see how insane that is? So Lansing here, intolerant of Steve's religious beliefs that in no way affect the operating of his business while in Lansing. Maybe Charlotte would have a case against him, but they don't have an anti-discrimination law like Lansing does. So he's breaking no law in Charlotte. He's breaking no law in Lansing, but they're still not letting him do business in Lansing. That is intolerance. And keep in mind, it's all based off of his Christian faith. So that's intolerance to me. Now here's uh, a story of tolerance. I got a few actually. I want to quote here from Kaylee Haver. She says this week she saw a couple headlines. She saw a headline about a woman who identifies as a man try to follow this is the woman who identifies as a man had sex with a man and got pregnant and now there are headlines about a man getting pregnant you see a headline about that every six months or so man gets pregnant and i've seen it so many times like i know exactly what the story is like no 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 man does not get pregnant that is impossible woman who pretends she's a man gets pregnant, but that's very different than what your headline just wrote. So then uh, Kaylee saw video of a a guy who identifies as a wolf and he crawls around on all fours and he howls at the moon. He has a partner who considers itself a non-binary gyno-romantic asexual demon kin who has a deeply held belief that his soul has long been prowling the earth as a demon. Okay, Uh, there's someone for everyone. Then she found an adult baby group, 4,000 adults. These are adults who wear diapers and have mommies who change them and feed them. C'est la vie, right? Then you got the video that we saw, we talked about on my local show. We never got to talk about it here, actually, now that I think about it. It's about two weeks ago of a PTA president at an elementary school. Elementary school. And they were having a talent show at the school. And he told everyone that he was going to do the final act, and it would be a celebration of diversity. And this person, this man, dressed up in drag, a see-through black dress and a G-string, and did a stripper dance across the stage in front of an auditorium of first graders. Spread Eagle, humping the stage, just everything you could fathom there. Stuff that you wouldn't let a woman do up on stage in front of a bunch of of elementary school kids. You wouldn't let a woman do that. Like you wouldn't have a stripper come do that. But we're going to let the middle-aged man do it. Why? Tolerance. It's tolerance. You may have seen the video last week of an eight-year-old boy dressed in full drag being paraded around Montreal's pride events last week as if this is some grand achievement for trans people as opposed to pedophilia, which is exactly what that is. But why do we put up with that? Tolerance. And then, of course, I think the most extreme is you have ableism. Have you heard of this? This is when people feel disabled. So they try to cut off their limbs or they stick their arm in dry ice until it dies. And they go to the doctors and doctors have to cut it off. Some psychiatrists are prescribing medical amputations so that these people can feel like they're true selves. Because they feel disabled. right? Isn't that a while that, that a psychiatrist would prescribe a medical amputation? Because they feel, they're not disabled, but they feel disabled. So a psychiatrist is going to ha- right, have a doctor cut off their their legs so that now they are disabled and they can be their true selves. Like, what are we, what? And people think that that's going to help? So this, this is just this week. And this is all stuff you get when you embrace tolerance as the ultimate virtue instead of truth. That's what you get when tolerance is the highest virtue as opposed to truth. The truth, like, are you a man or are you a woman? Are you a boy? or Are you a girl? Is this talent show performance appropriate or not? Are you disabled or not? Right? These are pretty basic principles, but we're so far lost that they're not anymore. And I don't hate these people. As Kaylee wrote, Kaylee Haber, she said, I don't hate these people. My heart breaks for them. I want them to be safe and happy and whole, but none of those things are an option when the rest of society embraces a lie. Love can't allow this to continue. And again, it's so sad that we live in a society where tolerance, it really results in in people getting hurt, right? I mean, in the name of tolerance, look at all these things that are happening right now. That's done in tolerance, but intolerance makes it so that the government won't let a Catholic guy sell his apples at a farmer's market. Right? Like, is that, even though the guy is not breaking any laws, he's the intolerant. We're going to be intolerant to him. We he oh, he, oh yeah, he sells apples here, but we're going to let the PTA president basically just flash the, kids at the school because of tolerance get this straight you have to get it straight you have to show the way here just to go back to the the pta example because i think that's so flagrant and blatant if you're in that audience like you have to you really as a parent you have to think about stuff like this because it's going to happen what are you going to do what would you do And you got to be prepared for it because if you're not, then you're just going to be stunned because that's a stunning thing. You'd be like, what is happening here? And then you'd look around and you'd be like, is anyone else seeing this? And should I do something? Should I do something? And before you know it's over and it's already been done. So you have to prepare for stuff like that and know what you're going to do when it happens so that you can do it and you can put a stop to this nonsense. And you have to think about ahead of time what to say when people talk about stuff like this. You need to know what, what you think, what to say, what to do so that you can do it and say it right away. It's only getting crazier and people are so lost. And it's not just them. Again, my heart breaks for like, the adult baby. It's like, right? There, it's clearly things aren't right, but it's everyone else around them who thinks that we're going to let this go and it's okay and we're, you know it's great news because. and then we pat ourselves on the back for how tolerant we are. It's all ev- those people that we need to be prepared to show the truth. Mike Slater, showed the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: This is Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the
1: Blaze Radio Network.
0: later on the blaze radio network
1: Sliders, Crusaders. all right let's get to this so um earlier we talked about the line that you may have said before i've said it before uh, i won't ever again uh, but it's, you certainly heard people say oh well supreme court justice oliver wendell holmes said that you can't falsely yell fire in a crowd theater therefore here's one way that i'm going to take away your freedom of speech because that's what always follows that sentence uh, so we talked about the background of that. And once you know it, then you'll never use that sentence ever again. Uh, we talked about that in the last hour. You can check it out at the Blaze, uh, blaze.com slash radio. So Supreme Court this week, lots of victories for freedom of speech. I want to talk about a unanimous decision. I think two, two unanimous decisions, actually. So we'll start with this one. A couple of years ago, the left decided to weaponize the patent office. The patent office is overlooked, but it is one of the most important aspects of our entire country. And our founding fathers knew it. When D.C. became our nation's capital, obviously it was a swamp, Pierre Lafant was the city planner for the city, and he was going to build the whole thing from scratch. That's why if you look at an aerial photo of D.C., it's all mapped out. It's a planned city. So if you can just imagine uh, the mall, so you got the mall at one end, so if I'm looking at it uh, from above. On the far left, you have the Lincoln Memorial. And then in the middle, you have the Washington Monument. And then on the far right, you have the Capitol Building. And it's all, they're all whoosh, straight line. Well, about a third of the way down. So we're going to go back to the Lincoln Memorial. So in between the Lincoln Memorial and the and the uh, uh, Washington Memorial is the White House. So you go a third of the way down and then up a little bit, right? So third of the way down and then up you get the uh the white house that's one third two thirds of the way down parallel with the white house this is in between the washington monument and capitol building and up a little bit so parallel with the white house is the patent office this was deliberately placed there because our founding fathers knew that this was one of the most important buildings in our in the city in our capital and in our entire country it's an entire city block. It's huge. L'Enfant said it would. It was going to be our non-denominational church of the republic. This is where all the inventions of America would be protected by the US government so that people can be free to invent and then profit off of their invention. This is the key. It still is the key to our prosperity, right? We are a nation of laws. We are a capitalist nation, and the government is there to protect the individual and the fruit of... Of your mind and your labor, that is the patent office. It is incredibly important. I ca- I can't express it enough. Like, th- okay, to, to prove it, think about what life would be like if, you, if there was no patent office. It would be impossible. Like, nothing would ever get done because you would invent something, and then your neighbor would just steal it, and it wouldn't take long before people just stopped doing anything because someone else will steal the profit from it we need to have a strong patent office and by strong, I mean within its proper confines, but recently it's been weaponized. Now when Congress could not stop the Washington Redskins football team from changing their name, the patent office created what they call the disparagement clause, which says that they will not copyright anything that's disparaging to a group of people. So when they did this, they took away all protections of the Redskins company. It's a business. So people could steal their logo and make money off it. They could steal the name Washington Redskins and make hats and stuff and then the Washington Redskins wouldn't profit and it would destroy the business. That was the plan. This is a blatant violation of the purpose and mission of the patent office. It's been weaponized. The the foundational pillar of our economy is a patent office. And the fact that it was weaponized is shameful. Enter from out of nowhere an Asian punk rock group called The Slants. What? They called themselves this to reclaim this disparaging term against their Asian ancestry. Their goal was not to offend anyone, but to, to take the word back. And the patent office said, no, we will not trademark your name because it's disparaging to a group of people. And they're like, yeah, Asians, we're Asian. And the patent office said, no, luckily this group brought it all the way up to the Supreme Court, where luckily, fortunately, nine to nothing. The Supreme Court said, mm, nice try patent office. I don't think so. This is Alito. He said the disparagement clause so what, what the what the Patent Office did violates the First Amendment's free speech clause, period. That's all I need to share from that quote. That's all that matters. Now, this is getting big news because now it looks like the Redskins have an argument that they can make and they'll win it. Right? But this is bigger than the Redskins. This puts the Patent Office back in their place, back in the position to to, to judge what should be protected speech. You know, of, of a uh, trademarked word or company or what, but th- think about, like, imagine how ugly this gets. Th- think about this. Think of, think if the Supreme Court didn't this week put the uh, patent office back in their place. Think about how much this could be, how bad this could get. Let's say the Feds don't like a company, or don't like a group. They don't like a group of people, and they say, "Oh no, we're not going to grant you protection." Because we are against conservatives or white straight men. I don't know, whatever, right? I mean, like that's why we we don't want. We're not. Oh no, um, you know we're. Ooh, we don't. Uh, sorry, uh, we're not gonna grant you a protection. <laughs> what you? Oh, that business you started. That's cute. Uh, yeah, no trademark for you though. No, we can't have a patent office that's gonna do that because then they have the power to decide who prospers and who doesn't. It's not their job. So good on the Supreme Court for a nine nothing decision on that. Another Supreme another uh, freedom of speech case that the Supreme Court ruled on this week. This one's a little harder. I think I think most people, most conservatives certainly would agree with that last one. This one's a little tougher. But in 2002, here's the quick backstory. 2002, a 21-year-old had sex with a 13-year-old. 13 year old girl he was convicted as a sex offender eight years later he was out of prison and he posted on facebook thank god for having a traffic ticket dismissed that's what he wrote he had had a traffic ticket dismissed he said thank god for having a traffic ticket dismissed he was arrested because in north carolina where he lived it's a felony for a convicted sex offender to have a social media account So this guy who's a convicted sex offender can't even have a Facebook account. And here he is posting something on Facebook. So the court ruled that this law violates this man's first amendment freedom of speech because quoted as a fundamental principle of the first amendment that everyone should have access to places where they can speak and listen. And then after reflection, speak and listen once more. Now, obviously this law was put in place because a lot of sex offenders use obviously social media to lure people. Lure underage kids. So they said, well, you just can't have them have an account anymore. But as one justice said, uh, with one broad stroke, this law bars access to what many, to what for many are the principal sources for knowing current events, checking ads for employment, speaking and listening in the modern public square, and otherwise exploring vast realms of human thought and knowledge. In some, to foreclose access to social media altogether is to prevent the user from engaging in the legitimate exercise of First Amendment rights. Now, this one's a little harder because it's hard to have, any, obviously, any pity or anything for a sex offender, right? And I think we all agree that a 21-year-old having sex with a 13-year-old, I don't know why that guy was out of prison after eight years. I'm for much worse, harsher punishments for perverts who do that, right? I'm for such a harsh punishment that a social media account would be the least of their worries, Regardless, the point is we have a Supreme court that even if you disagree with this ruling errors on the, on the side of freedom of speech and even in tough stories, tough situations like this one, they will side with freedom of speech. And that is a good thing because nowhere else around the world do they have freedom of speech. Certainly not like we have here in America. Just a couple months ago, and I share this not because it's the most egregious, but because it's the most recent. I think in January, a Finland, a, a, a politician from Finland, a congressman, a congressman, the, the equivalent, a parliament member in Finland, was fined a thousand dollars for putting so- oh for writing. Uh, someone wrote something and on Facebook, and he commented that not all Muslims are terrorists, but all. All, not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslims. That's what he put on Facebook, on Facebook and he was fined $1,000 by the government because it was uh, inciting hatred against uh, Muslims. <laughs> That's all he wrote. Okay, so they don't have freedom of speech. Western countries don't have freedom of speech. America still does, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. one 888 933 I want to share one story of somewhere in America where there's no such thing as freedom of speech. We'll do that next. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: This is Mike Slater on The Blaze Radio Network. Of the next generation of talk radio this is mike slater
1: slater so we've talked about evergreen college evergreen state college i think we did last week um they're just the pinnacle of college absurdity i, I don't know how they i don't know how they exist but anyway r- real quick background to this uh very fast very fast so in the 70s they had this day of or people of color day of absence where black people would voluntarily not show up on campus to make some point this year though, they decided to flip it. And instead of voluntarily not showing up on campus, they decided to forcibly remove white people from campus. So biology professor, Brett Weinstein noticed that these are two fundamentally different things. And the mob went nuts at him. And you've, you've seen the video of this. We don't need to go over it anymore. Uh, this is a state credentialed school. It's a state public school. I, it's a, the place is a joke. The classes are a joke. They don't have grades. It is just a neo-Marxist hippie training ground. It's It's insane. They have no redeeming features whatsoever. Anyway, Vice News paid a visit. And uh, I want to play this one clip here. Uh, it's a it's pretty good YouTube video. It's like 10 minutes long. Just search Vox News Evergreen State College. It'll give you a pretty good idea of what's going on. There's one student there in particular who they interview, and she's not... In an emotional state, she's just sitting down having a reasoned argument talking about how uh, we need to fire Brett Weinstein because he is a cisgendered white male who blah, 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 blah. It's like, wow, you, are, you don't even know. You are just so brainwashed. Anyway, I want to play this because this is the president of Evergreen State College who... Was held hostage by students at one point, had to ask them permission to go to the bathroom where he was escorted, and then returned back to the hostage room when he was done. Then when he was talking, someone said that his hands, talking with his hands was too big of a microaggression. So for the rest of the day, he talked with his hands behind his back. So that's this gentleman right here. Here is George Bridges being interviewed in this Vox documentary. There is this issue of what I can say and what I can't say and who's going to dismiss me or demean me for saying it. And that is new in
0: the American, uh, American discourse. A student told me uh, that you're a white supremacist.
1: Um, I'm assuming that students have said lots of things about me. I don't believe I am. I'm you a don't white believe person. You are, but you accept uh, that you might be. no. Well, it depends on what you mean by a white supremacist. What does that mean? I'm a white person with a, in a position of privilege. Okay. I guess that's
0: part of the confusion for me is the precision of language seems stop to that. be lost a lot.
1: Isn't that insane? Isn't that an insane interaction? Unbelievable. So, so here, like, let, let's flip it around. Uh, Slater, uh, some people say that you are a white supremacist. Are you? No. See, that's, that's how that should go down. Or, or listen, if you want say it. no, and whoever said that is wrong. Could not be more wrong in every way. But they're just trying to get attention to themselves. So I'm not really going to waste my time proving I'm not a white supremacist. They can come here and prove that I am. They can't, but they can try. It's impossible, but sure, give it a whirl. As opposed to what the president said, which is, am I a white supremacist? Hmm. I don't believe I am <laughs> what he is infected to his core with the lie that the truth is relative. And this is what they teach in progressives. This is what they teach in colleges, that the truth is relative. That there is no such thing as truth and it's all relative. He's so infected with that disease that he can't even objectively say he's not a white supremacist. Why can't he say it? Well, because someone else said he is and all truth is relative. So I may not think I am, but that doesn't matter. And I might not be, but that doesn't matter because someone else thinks I am and all truth is relative. So if they think I am, that's their truth. So geez, maybe I am. Who am I to really say anyway? See how that works? See how sick that is? See the problem with that? This right, That example right there is the ultimate There's no such thing as truth example I've ever seen. The man can't even say he's not a white supremacist because he doesn't want to offend someone else's precious opinion. Isn't that amazing? That's that's where this leads. If you believe that all truth is relative. (laughs) Incredible. Well, the guy gets $300,000 a year, so what does he really care anyway? 1-888-900-3393. Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word.
0: You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio.